and welcome to the ARC Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Joy. On today's episode, we talked with author Dave Burchette. Dave is the author of Stay, Lessons My Dogs Taught Me About Life, Loss, and Grace, and uh, the other Tyndale book, Waking Up Slowly, which just released this month in March. Dave is a unique author. He's a successful television sports director and has quite a bit of experience sharing his story, sharing other people's story, and so we found it quite a pleasure to speak with him. We learned a lot of spiritual insight, and what I found remarkable about Dave is that he's able to pull out biblical insight from everyday experiences, and you'll get a taste of that as you listen. Yes, so pull up your favorite dog and sit back and enjoy this conversation with us and Dave Burchette. And you can learn more about Dave at his website, daveburchette.com. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Um, If you wouldn't mind starting us off with sharing a little bit about your background, um, your career, how you started writing, and um, just to give a little context to our audience. Sure. I actually have a really, I can't think of a better word than bizarre career path. <laughs> up in Southern Ohio, and I started out as a disc jockey and loved being uh, in radio TV. That was my, my major at Marietta College, uh, which I'm sure everyone has heard of the pioneers. Uh, and after a year, I actually got a full-time job as a disc jockey, so I decided to suspend my college for a couple of years to get the experience, and you could probably guess how that worked out. <laughs> Three years of eligibility left if someone wants to recruit me for their basketball team. Uh, so I got into radio and loved it, uh, but about that time, a major faith crisis happened in my life. I was a Christian, but, you know, to be honest, a real marginal one. My nephew passed away with leukemia, and he was very, very close to him. And it was a crisis of faith that I had to either go deep or go away. And I decided to go deep and decided to try and do something a, a little more significant with my life for the board. And I came upon a group um, called Athletes in Action. It was a part of Campus Crusade, and they had a radio and TV department. So even though I wasn't a college graduate, which is a normal requirement for them, because I had a specific skill of being in radio and having that background, they allowed me to join staff. So I joined Athletes in Action, was a part of their ministry for five years, came to Dallas in 1980 when the Dallas Mavericks started to uh, be a part of their front office and began directing sports television with the Mavericks. I moved to the other side of the camera from being on the uh, on camera and behind the mic side to directing and being in the production side. And I've done that now for with the Mavericks and now the Texas Rangers for 34 years. So it's been quite a lengthy career, but all of that time, I had been looking to do something with my writing skills and what I wanted to do. And I was very close friends, actually neighbors, with a gentleman named Bob Reiner. Some listeners might recognize him. He wrote a wonderful book called Roaring Lambs. With very similar career paths, he was also in television and wrote later in life. And he encouraged me to write. 
So he said, just write me your passion. The first book I wrote was about some of my struggles with the church, and it was entitled When Bad Christians Happen to Good People. And it had pretty good success. Uh, the funny thing about that title, which people either recoil in horror or chuckle about, mm-hmm. is I sent that title in just as a joke, and they thought it was a great title. So that's the <laughs> one they picked. Mm-hmm. And that book had pretty pretty good success. Uh, wrote a second book, which I like to say is in the Witness Protection Program. If you see it, mm-hmm. please let me know. And then Tyndale came along a few years later when I submitted a, a, a prospectus for the book Stay, and they agreed to publish it, and it's it's done quite well, and it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. the uh, The book stay is lessons I learned from my rescued Labradors about life, loss, and grace, and uh, it's resonated, you know, of course, with dog lovers. But it's been a lot of fun, and I've enjoyed that whole process of connecting with a lot of people to help them process their loss, not only of canine friends, but just loss. I mean, the principles are the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I, not to back up, but I, I will say that I have heard of Marietta College because I'm also from Ohio, so I'll throw that in there. And I'm, <laughs> I'm really tempted to, to derail this in, into a sports podcast because I'm curious about uh, hearing about Dirk or uh, Mark Cuban, but we won't, we won't go there. We'll, we'll stick with your, your book. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, so at what point did you decide that, um, that you, you could write a book and you had something to say to put into an actual book? Cause not everybody, um, that's not everyone's conclusion when they, when they have ideas to share with the world. I've always been the type that I am not afraid to take chances and it was always something that was kind of in my heart that I, I love to write. Uh, you know, I don't have formal training, um, but I just love to do it. And I also became very close friends with Ray Pritchard, who has a number of Christian books, that probably 30 or so, that have been published over the years. And he was my pastor here. And I sh- shared with him after my friend Bob Briner passed away that I really wanted to start writing because Bob was such an encouragement and told me I could do it. And Ray said, just just write something. He said, here's what I have learned. There is no good writing. There is only good rewriting. So just start writing and see what happens. And I started writing out of my passion, which was the, the church community and how we are not taking care of one another like we should, how we get caught up more in what we're against than what we're for, and that whole area, um, so that was my passion, and that's what I wrote. And when bad Christians happen to good people, it was a very edgy. Looking back now, it was written in 2001. Looking back now, I can almost say angry book. Mm-hmm. And I got the chance to do a rewrite, thank God, mm-hmm. in uh, 2011. And during that 10 years, God took that frustration and anger. There's a lot of truth in there, but... Sometimes, you know, how you present truth is the most important thing. And he he took that anger and that passion and introduced me to his grace. Mm-hmm. And it just was totally changed my world and, and how I approach things. So I got to do a rewrite on that book, 
Day and my book that is coming out in March, Waking Up Slowly, really reflect that grace journey and what has changed in my heart. And it's been a, a remarkable journey. And so to answer your question, I wrote out of my passion, and out of that passion, I think God really used that. You start reading your words, and you go, ooh, that seems a little angry. Yeah. And he started working in my heart. And that's one of the things I love about writing. Writing for me is worship. I hope people read my books. I hope people buy my books. I hope they are somehow touched or encouraged by my books. But ultimately, my books, my writing is a form of worship. And I can't write these things without examining my heart. I can't challenge anyone to do anything without looking at my own heart to see if I'm also at least attempting to live by that same standard. So it, it's a fantastic way for me to self-examine, uh, to to worship, uh, to grow in the Lord, because when I write, I have to self-examine. Mm -hmm. And you do a great job of this, especially in, you know, waking up slowly in displaying some topics that are really for the reflection and introspection of the reader. You know, you talk about the premise and the promise and the process, and then you actually come up with some phrases of your own, like fubbing and stinking thinking and <laughs> gratitude and your attitude and little terms even that, you know, sound humorous but really touch on some deep issues. So, Dave, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about uh, waking up slowly, your inspiration for that. I hear you. Uh, got the inspiration from it in an unlikely place, if you could share that with us as well. Yeah, one of the things that I say in the book that a lot of my ideas end up in the dumpster, but <laughs> I rarely get inspiration by the dumpster. And the genesis of Waking Up Slowly is Stay had had, had some success, and so Tyndale would say, do you have something else you would like to submit? So I didn't want to just throw a book out there. I wanted it to be something that I felt like was really from my heart that that maybe could have some impact. So I'm kind of struggling and, and I bump into a friend of mine who had been I had been walking through his journey of painkiller addiction. And it'd been a really tough journey. He had gone into rehab to detox and the first time I saw him was at the loading dock at Globe Life Park where the Texas Rangers play, and that's where the TV trucks are. That's where I do my work as a television director. And always in the loading docks, they have the dumpsters where the refuse of 40,000 people is, is stored. So I live a, a very glamorous life, I, if anyone I, I know you're jealous right now. But I saw Mike walking toward me, and I just went up and I hugged him, and it was a very private conversation. So we decided to move away from the television trucks and over toward the dumpsters. So we're standing by the dumpsters, and he shares with me what happened in his, in his rehab, his first meeting at Narcolics Anonymous. He said he got up and he confessed and said, Hi, my name is Mike, and I'm an addict. And he said the meeting stopped. I know, well, what do you mean it stopped? He said everybody in the room got up, came over, hugged me, and said to me, you are the most important person in the room today. And it just gave me chills that that act of confession, instead of people judging, it, it, everything stopped, and they gave him grace, and they affirmed him, and they said, you are the most important person 
and I just realized, and the other thing that Mike shared, he said, I looked around this room, and he said, and to be really honest, when you look at the kind of people in that meeting, they're the people I would have made snarky comments about and judged and said things about in my previous life. And I realized that these are souls that God loves, that have a story. That hit me. Man, I have done that so much of judging people without knowing their story. And that really was the day that I began to think about what attitudes and things caused me to disconnect from God and others. And so that was the inspiration right there by the old dumpsters uh, for waking up slowly. Mm -hmm. That's really spectacular. I think it's it's incredible what moments the Lord the Lord uses because they're really not like, oh, I just, you know, came up with this idea by myself, but really it's often in community where we're talking and interacting right. with other people that they come. Um now, I, I got to jump in here because I'm only part ways into the book, and Joy said the word fubbing. I feel like I really need to know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, the premise of the book, you have to kind of know that too before I can get to your question. Is I think you can arguably say that we're the most connected culture in the history of mankind. But I would also suggest that we're the most disconnected from God and one another. And one of those reasons is because of our devices. Mm -hmm. And this went from preaching to meddling for me because I'm that guy. I'm that guy that's always looking at my phone. I may or may not be checking fantasy football lineups during church. <laughs> Uh, I may or may not be checking sports scores when I'm having a conversation with my wife at dinner. Uh, all of these things I want to be able to plausibly deny. But there was a study done at uh, actually at Baylor University, and it, it was about the the phone behaviors that cause us to disconnect. And the word derives from phone snubbing where you ignore the person you're with in order to spend time on your device. So uh, that basically became fubbing. And there's a list in the, in the book that I list of, that the researchers came up with. Uh, I'll just give you a couple of them. During a typical mealtime that my partner and I spend time together, my partner pulls out and checks his or her cell phone. My partner places his or her cell phone where they can see it when we are together. My partner keeps his or her cell phone in their hand when he or she is with me. The list goes on. At the end of this list of eight, when I looked into my heart, I had to check all eight of them. And I'm going, I am the person that this is directed toward. I am that guy. And so that was like step one of my journey to connect with God and one another was to recognize my slavish addiction to devices. And, and hear me out, They're, they could be wonderful. I love the fact that I can hop on my iPhone and FaceTime with my grandchildren and, and see them in real time and talk with them and see their faces. That's a great use of our technology to connect. I, I love that I can use it for research if I have a question about something. But any good thing that becomes an ultimate thing can be an idol, and that's what it had become for me. So that was step one. I had to quit. It's just a fun word to say, too. <laughs> it is. <laughs> sure. So, Dave, if 
we probably have many listeners who would say, yeah, that's me too, but I don't really know how to stop or I feel like it's such a habit. What would you say to those people? How do we disconnect and use the phone as it should be in an appropriate way, but not something that turns into an idol? You know, one of the things I did is I, I crafted a little prayer that I started each each morning uh, just asking God to meet me in every moment of the day, and it's, it's in the book. And the other thing I did is I changed my behavior. Instead of getting up first thing and just automatically reaching for my phone to see if, you know, I had some really important, you know, sports score uh, that I missed from late last night, I just set the phone aside and just spent some quiet time either reading scripture or reading devotional or or just being present with my wife and my my god uh you know scratching the ears of my labrador just just taking some time to get into the day and then start scheduling it's a very intentional thing you you start scheduling your social media time you just you make time you know, it's like going on a diet. You don't have a successful diet if you can never have a piece of pie. But mm-hmm. you also realize you can't eat pie all day long. And it's the same thing with devices and social media. There's some really good things about FaceTime. I love connecting with other people. I love seeing some comments on Twitter, following people, or seeing what they're up to. But you can also look up after a little bit and say, I just spent two hours and I'll never get that time back. So it's just being very intentional about realizing that this is a really good thing that I have to manage. Like anything in your life that can become a problem area, it's just something you manage. It becomes a mindset. I think the thing that I realized is so many of the attitudes and, and actions that disconnect us from God and one another are reorienting our, our thinking. And it's just, you know, Renewing our mind, transforming our mind, as Paul talked about, that's that's a very important concept. And it begins, I think, first thing in the morning when you wake up, of having an awareness that I want to be present today with those around me, with my God, with myself, with my environment. Because one of the things that, that I say in the book is, I have probably stubbed my toe on on the sacred every day while worrying about things that didn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, now, Dave, uh, I'm, I'm a big dog lover. I have a dog who, who loves me uncondi- <laughs> unconditionally. Yeah, and, that's, uh, that's the dog in the dog contract. They have to love you unconditionally. <laughs> and that's how they leave the factory. <laughs> if anybody were to pick up either your Tyndale books, Stay or Waking Up Slowly, they'd see a, a a lab on the cover. Can you talk about uh, um, your dogs and how they how they're kind of the inspiration for these books? Well, Hannah, who was the inspiration for Stay, was one of those once in a lifetime dogs. I mean, just the best dog ever. Everybody that met Hannah loved Hannah, and she was particularly important to my wife and I because of the season in our life that Hannah came into our life. She was a rescued puppy. She was being passed around where my kids were going to school at, at Baylor. It's like a time that's come up. But uh, 
she was just being passed around and my middle son called and said hey this dog we kind of fell into our hands and would you keep her for the weekend until we can find her a home a home knowing full well what was about to happen <laughs> so she came to our house and she wasn't going anywhere so hannah became part of our family but when hannah was maybe four years old my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer and it was one of the scariest most challenging times of our life that was a very difficult year full of fear and and full of just anxiety and hannah was so amazing what she would do is when she could sense that you were really anxious she would just come over and just put her head in your lap and just that was it just let you scratch her ears and she could sense when you needed to to play she could sense when you just needed presence. And, and so out of that, I, I started writing when Hannah herself developed cancer and, and died when she was, I think, 11 years old. Mm. I just started writing some things in the last year of her life when I knew I wouldn't have her for much longer, just some lessons I had learned from her, just some of the wonderful things about these creatures that, that God gives us, as, as Martin Luther said. Dogs are one of God's most unappreciated gifts of grace. And I really agreed with that. So I started writing these things down. And I was meeting with some friends of mine that we get together every year. It's kind of a, a, a group accountability group, a men's group, and we challenge each other and what we're doing in our lives. And they said, hey, do you have any book ideas? And I said, no, nah, not really. I've been writing some stuff about Anna. And they started reading some of them. And they said, you've got to, you've got to make a book out of this. I go, oh, come on. I can't write about a dog. I'm a big sports guy, you know, macho. How about the, how about them bears, you know, kind of a guy. And they go, no, this is, this is good because it will help people approach the difficult topic of loss through something that everyone can relate to. So I listened to them. I put the synopsis together. I submitted it to Tyndale and believe it or not, they said, yes, let's go for it. So, Hannah's remarkable friendship presence in our lives was so touching to me and, and just so many other lessons I got from her, like, like you're saying, friendship that's unconditional, you know, forgiveness, all those things that dogs model, uh, playfulness, living in the moment, all, all those wonderful things became spiritual lessons. And so that became the book stay. Then when, after Hannah passed, we rescued another Labrador, and her name is Maggie, and I'll put it in Christian terms. If Hannah was the kind of Christian that we all wish we were, Maggie is the kind of Christian that most of us actually are. <laughs> and just, just full of personality and rescued all the baggage that comes with a rescue dog at times. She was found running loose in the country. She had trust issues, all these different things. So a whole different set of lessons came from, from Maggie about not remembering who we are, all these kinds of things. That So the, the juxtaposition of, of Hannah and Maggie, I think, made for, I hope, a touching but also really a fun book and stay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It must be really neat to have both dogs and relate them to, you know, how Hannah's one of what we're all aspiring to, and then Maggie's a little bit more of how we are in reality. And I think it's important to have a clear picture of both, because 
sure, we do understand in the word what we are to be and what we're to pursue, but sometimes we're not really in touch with how we actually are and what we say doesn't match right. how we behave. And um, that's where a lot of blindness can come if we're not honest before the Lord of him searching our hearts and then us being in, in real confession in the ways that you were talking about abiding, especially in the morning to give God our first fruits and say, Lord, this is your day. And um, right. it must, yeah, it must be a really um, neat thing to have. And um, I'm wondering, Dave, if you can tell us as we're coming to the close of our time from um, both books, what are you really hoping that readers take away? What would be some of the key themes that you'd hope we'd focus on? Well, from today, I, I would hope that people would, would recognize about loss that the, the principles of loss and, and just that we have a hope as believers, that we have a hope that we can count on. You know, one of the, the stories that, that, I, that I talked about in, in Stay was the um, story of a veterinarian who the dog was on the other side of the door and when he called him into the room the dog didn't know what was in there he didn't know if there was danger in that room he didn't know if it was scary in that room but he knew that his master was there so he came in without fear mm -hmm. and that kind of is how i view when i get into my journey i don't know what's on the other side i don't know what that'll look like i don't know what that'll feel like but i don't have to approach it in fear because I know my master is there. And I think that's the biggest lesson of, of stay is to really be present in the moment, to not live in regret of the past or fear of the future. That's where Satan would want us to be because when we live in regret of the past, that all the things that we wish we'd done differently or all the things that used to be true about us or fear of the future, what am I going to do, what's going to happen, all of these fears, when Satan gets us in those two areas, we can't enjoy what's all the blessings of the moment. For Waking Up Slowly, it's, it's a very different book, and it's. I hope the reader will go with me on a journey. It's, it's basically 21 bite-sized, uh, basically, chapters that you could approach on a 21-day journey with me to try to connect with, with God and others more effectively. And you can either read the book all the way through and then go back and maybe address some chapters that are issues for you, or you can do it one chapter one day at a time, which is what I hope the reader will do, and just really concentrate on the message of that particular chapter and just spend that day in prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you uh, what you need to work on on that particular topic. There's topics like busyness, um, worrying, Sabbath. Uh, gratitude, negative attitudes, uh, all, all 21 different topics and things and actions that disconnect us. But I hope what they take away from waking up slowly, the one-sentence summary would probably be summarized by Zig Ziglar, who's a famous speech, uh, author and speaker. And he said that one of these days you will say either I wish I had or I'm glad I did. And how heartbreaking would it be to find yourself at the end of this journey with the regret of, I wish I had, just kind of roiling around in your soul. And my heart's desire is that someday I will say, I'm glad I did. Mm -hmm. And that's the message of waking up slowly, to kind of go on a journey together 
as mutually flawed and grace-needy sojourners to identify the actions, the attitudes, and the things that cause us to miss those sacred moments that I think are there for us to discover every day. And I think we can do it together. I think we can do it without the shame of performance, pressure, and judgment. I think that I hope from the book they realize that we're being molded slowly and beautifully in God's perfect timing. And I hope that they'll just enjoy the journey with me, a fellow flawed uh, tour guide, and they will all begin just to really wake up slowly to God's amazing grace. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, the, the best person to uh, share about our books is definitely the authors, because we, we talk about the books all the time, write about them, but um, you really know how to get to the heart of your own work, so that's great. Mm-hmm. great. Yeah, thank, oh, thank you. Now, mm-hmm. if, if people want to learn more about you or connect with you online, where's the best place to do that? Well, I have a really cleverly named website. It's dayburchett.com. <laughs> mm-hmm. Last name is B-U-R-C-H-E-T-T. Actually, I have to give my parents credit for uh, for the name of the, of the website. I added the .com by myself. <laughs> Uh, I, it's called Confessions of a Bad Christian, and that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but maybe not as much as I would hope that it is. And I just write uh, on kind of my journey and write a, a weekly blog, um, a more expansive blog. Uh, I have an author Facebook page, Dave Chat at Facebook author page. And I have a Twitter account that actually kind of relates to both my sports and um spiritual life. It's at director DB, um, director, like a TV director and my initials DB. So any of those things, I would I'd love to connect with people. If you reach out to me, I will respond. Uh, I love uh, interacting with readers and sharing my heart and your heart, and uh, I hope they will. That sounds great, Dave. Thank you. And just so our listeners know, they can get Stay Anywhere Books Are Sold and Waking Up Slowly is coming out in March. Check out Tindle.com for that release. Yeah. So, Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. My pleasure. Enjoyed talking to both of you. Yes. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye.